Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Here's a little snippet by one of the authors from the anthology. My name is Richie Jackson. And I'm thrilled to have contributed to Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. My essay is called Peloton and On and On. And what I really don't have time for is losing weight. Hazel Hayes is the author of Out of Love, a novel. She's an Irish-born, London-based writer and director who has, until now, been writing primarily for the screen. Having graduated from Dublin City University with a degree in journalism, she went on to study creative writing at the Irish Writers' Centre before finally finding her feet online and honing her craft as a screenwriter through various short films and series. Her eight-part thriller, Prank Me, won Series of the Year at Social in the City, as well as the Award for Excellence in Storytelling at Buffer Festival in Toronto. Out of Love is her first novel. All right. Welcome, Hazel. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Out of Love. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to do this interview. 
Oh my gosh. I really, really loved this book and I regret not reading it sooner, but you know, whatever. I read every page. I like enjoyed it. Like it was like a delicacy. Like I only gave myself a little bit each day to make it last longer. And I don't always have that luxury to do with books. So I just loved it. Anyway, oh, well done. Thank, thank you. That, that means, that means so, so much. Yeah. Cause I, I only do that with stuff I really, really, really love. So that, right? means, that, that means a lot. Thank you. And I was trying to describe it to somebody like, why did I love it so much? And I was trying to like analyze it. And there are obviously really cool, neat things you did with the structure and going backwards and time and all of that. But I really just loved the character. I just love the narrator. She's somebody I want to spend a lot more time with. Like I just enjoyed being with her. So I think that's what I, I just loved her. So anyway. <laughs> Thank you. That's true. That's so, so maybe, no, no, again, so lovely to hear. I never yeah. know. I'm still terrible at receiving praise, but no, I will, I will take that on, on her behalf. Cause I think that's something that I not worried about, but was definitely aware of, you know, she's a very flawed person and she, she comes as a kind of whole warts and all package. And there has been that thing in the media lately, particularly with female characters. I mean, we saw what happened with like Captain Marvel, where if a woman isn't likable enough, there's an issue. And yeah, I, I mean, I, I personally don't care whether they're a likable person or it's more for me, whether I like spending time with them, even if they're a little bit evil sometimes it's kind of fun, but yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to know you like spending time with her. Oh. <laughs> how would you, how would you describe the book to somebody? Like what, what would be your <sighs> elevator pitch? Sorry to put you on the, the elevator here. pitch, which is getting more weary every time I repeat it to <laughs> I'm people. Sorry. Now. I know I realized this, I went away this weekend and met a few new people. And every time they ask, I'm like, so it's a love story in reverse. <laughs> I'm like, I need to stop doing that. It is a love story told in reverse beginning with them breaking up and moving backwards through sort of a series of vignettes of their time together all the way back to when they met and fell in love. Amazing. Well, as I showed you before, I've dog-eared like every other page, but I'm just going to pick this one passage, which is towards the end. We'll at least start with this one and I'll just read it. And it's about, and so the character doesn't have a name, which I just realized <laughs> trying to remember it. And I was like, why can I not remember this name? So I, I sometimes, she's kind of become known as Angel because Theo, right, her boyfriend her calls her Angel as a pet name a lot. And you sort of find out why, but yeah, I, I, she's just kind of shorthand now as Angel, but no, she doesn't have a name. To be honest, the only times I really liked Theo were when he called her Angel. That was like oh. his only, that was like a moment of redemption. I mean, whenever he would say that, I'm like, oh, okay, I guess he does care. He would only, yeah, well, <laughs> he, would, he would only ever call her that in moments when he was really connecting with her and things yeah. were good between them. He, he, he doesn't really call her that when things aren't okay. So that, yeah, yeah. that, that tracks. No, I know, I know. <laughs> Anyway, just this one passage. And so having spent the best part of my childhood in survival mode, what should have been a temporary measure to cope in a crisis became my way of dealing with everyday life. Stay on high alert, push your feelings down, and always, always have a plan. To this day, I have a faulty security system running constantly in the background, sounding the alarm and sending me into fight or flight over every perceived threat. I live life with a proverbial tiger in the room, but I can somehow withstand its presence as long as everything else is in order. Una understands. She knows why my wardrobe is color-coded and my kitchen is always clean. Una is her older sister. 
She knows why my books are arranged alphabetically, why I need to know the route before I start driving, why I panic when people don't come home on time, and why if one domino falls, they all come crashing down. Rituals and routine, they keep the tiger at bay. I love that. I think this is how I live. <laughs> Personally, I like crave doing all this stuff. Is this what you are like too? Or is, is this like a manifest, just something you decided to do for your character? No, I, lo- I loaned that to her. She has, she has many elements of me on loan. I'm not even me. I'd say a version of me and certainly a past version of me. Although that is to some degree, not as, not as true as it used to be, but it's, it's still very true for me. And even that's, that's weird. That phrase came up for me yesterday. I was talking about, this is so strange, my skincare routine changing because I changed my pill and I got acne and I had to go on a different thing. And now I'm not using all the same creams and stuff at night. And I've noticed that this little ritual, this bedtime ritual I used to have of all my lotions and potions and even the self-massage and everything is kind of gone because I'm afraid to put certain things on my skin. And I was, and the phrase popped up, rituals and routine, they keep the tiger at bay. And like, I'm noticing a lot of my, you know, lately and definitely over the past year and a half, so many of our our rituals are gone. And I think they're really important to us. Like whether or not you have trauma, they're very important. But for people, for neurodivergent people, whether that's, you know, trauma or PTSD or BPD or autism or or whatever, I think there's, there's, there's a real safety in structure for a lot of people. So it doesn't surprise me that your books are color-coded there. <laughs> But they are also, there is also just an aesthetic beauty to it. So, you know, it could, it could be one of the other. No, I am like so reluctant to change my skincare routine. My mother continues (laughs) to give me these like anti-aging creams and I'm like, I'm good. I like, I have my three things that I use that like somebody prescribed to me a hundred years ago and I just want to keep using them. And she's like, finally last night, she was like, you know, they were actually quite expensive. Could I just take my retinol back if you're not going to use it? And I was like, okay. (laughs) That's probably fair. I think it's only fair that you give, but God, everyone is banging on about retinol these days. Do I need right? to put retinol on? I, I know. Oh, I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean. It's my, my, my routine is baby wipes and my cellar water at this point. Oh <laughs> like, yeah. My daughter yeah. got me into that. That I did change because, you know, <laughs> the, the, guy, the guy she follows on YouTube swears by my cellar water. <laughs> stuff, so, and I can't, I can't, I have to listen to him now, you know? So, <laughs> you know, you had a lot of interesting characters throughout, not just your main girl and Theo and her relationship with her mom was so interesting and her mother-in-law or not mother-in-law because they weren't married, but you know, yeah. in fact, I recently told somebody else I was talking to who was having trouble with her partner's <laughs> mother. I was like, okay, well you have to read because this girl that I'm reading about right now wow. has the same thing with her in-law, <laughs> wow. even like Theo's first roommate, right? And, I and how that. he can be mean. And I found that passage really interesting because you talked about how a dog, when it's scared, right? A dog gets backed into a corner, just like this guy does, essentially, and Theo does, really. And maybe I'm mixing the metaphors or with the descriptions, but <laughs> but the but how people lash out, essentially, when they're mm-hmm, scared mm-hmm. and upset and hurt themselves, mm-hmm. and how she's able to look into the you know the 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 drawn swords to see why what's happened and like mm-hmm. what's causing that which i think brings such an interesting take on sort of why do people why do people disparage people why does he always put her down like mm-hmm. why do people do things anyway i don't know talk about that a little bit <laughs> talk about that a little bit 
It's a random part of the book. I don't even know why I brought it up right now, but I just brought up several parts of the books mixed together. So I'm trying trying to figure out. Sorry about that. I know. I'm sorry. No, don't be. I love it. I love that you're like this excited about it. So the dog backed into a corner metaphor came up in the chapter called Are You a Banana? Where she goes to therapy for the first time. She's been having these panic attacks. The first one, the first big one was brought on by her first fight with Theo. And she devolved into some sort of feral animal version of herself and and didn't really have any control. She will later discover she is suffering from PTSD and that she was triggered in that moment. But her initial chat with the therapist, the, the therapist reveals that, well, she explains that, you know, they did these sort of studies on puppies, which are terrible and awful and they don't happen anymore, but, yes. but where sort of learned helplessness came into play and where puppies were exposed to certain different stimuli, they, they would respond differently. And, and so the point she's making is we're not that dissimilar to dogs. You know, we can sort of sometimes our higher brain just shuts down and we're, we're working off a fear response. The amygdala lights up and we're just we're basically animals. Like that's kind of the level of logic we have to work with. And and she's, the narrator is remembering a time when she was a kid and these guys were like throwing stuff at a dog out the like back alley of her house. And when the boys had gone away, she went out to the dog to bring it some food and, you know, was trying to show compassion. But as she approached, it snapped and bit her. And the therapist makes the point, like, were you angry with the dog? And she's like, well, no, this is a dog. It was afraid. You know, it didn't distinguish between me and those boys. And the whole point being sort of, you know, if somebody has brought trauma into your life, then later on, another thing is going to trigger that. And they might receive the same response because of that faulty security system when it's not necessarily warranted in that situation. And I think because she's had to learn that self, that that much about herself, she starts to apply it to other people more. And that's an experience that I definitely had through therapy, like having compassion for yourself and the reasons why you do things like, oh, why did I stay in that relationship so long? And why did I put up with that shit from that person? can be really difficult and it can take a lot of work to finally come to the conclusion that there were a lot of factors at play and I was kind of playing with a losing hand and I shouldn't be angry with myself for that anymore. And because she's able to start doing that with herself, she starts applying that to other people. And so when Theo's first roommate, as you mentioned, he's, he's just a bit of a dick and he's quite mean to her and he's quite mean to this other girl who's a friend of theirs. And then it all clicks for her. She's like, oh, he's in love with her. <laughs> he's still in love with her. And he's lashing out over those feelings of like of jealousy and regret and remorse for losing her. And then she begins to be able to apply that to her you know, mother-in-law, potentially, who's lashing out out of fear. So yeah, I think I think that's really important for me, which is why it kind of ended up in the book, this practice of compassion. And it doesn't always mean you can forgive and it doesn't always mean you should put up with that crap. It's just interesting sometimes to be able to step back and see the bigger picture and, and sort of know why that person's lashing out because suddenly it's not personal. Suddenly it's like, oh, it's, she, she doesn't hate me. She hates what I represent, which is something that could take her son away from her could take attention away from her and time away from her and she felt the same about his job and that taking him away from her so yeah it's it's something I try and practice I don't always get it right (laughs) 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 but I try you also exhibited several times the sort of inherited 
mental state. I want to say like inherited trauma, but it's not necessarily always inherited trauma. But mm-hmm. when her mother, I, like, I don't want to give things away that happened towards the end, but like some things emotionally that her mother goes mm-hmm. through that she sort of finds herself mirroring and, mm-hmm. and how she replicates in her male relationship some of the things that have like gone on in her own family mm-hmm. and how you even talk about how to cope with abuse when you said like abuse I thought was bruises and broken ribs. Abuse left marks, but I've since learned that abuse can also be insults and isolation, veiled threats and accusations, a clawing, cloying control that stifles and suffocates till you forget what it was like to take a full deep breath. Oh, shit. That's good. Like that. <laughs> yeah. You did. You, yeah. You really, that was, it was really good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about like writing through this abuse part of the book. It was the most difficult part to write. And a lot of it was difficult because it's fiction, but the feelings are real. This is what I always say to people. Like the facts aren't real, but the feelings are, you know, like that, that event didn't necessarily take place and it, or something similar happened in a different place with a different person. But what I'm bringing to the table is how I felt about some other event maybe, and I'm, I'm bringing it to this fictional one. So it's funny. People can't quite into their heads around that sometimes. They're like, so it's not you and it didn't happen, but it is real. And it's like, well, yeah, part of it. So yeah, that's, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a big, heavy topic for me. The, the childhood that I describe that she had isn't a million miles from my childhood. It, it was very chaotic. It was abusive. And it took a sort of whole family to to try and drag themselves out of that. And we're still dealing with it today. And it's really tough. And the abusive relationship that she went through, I, I went through something very similar. I was with someone for eight years who was deeply abusive. And I didn't know because you don't, you know, because I was 17 when I got into that relationship and he was a lot older than me. And you you sort of take their word for it because you've never had a relationship. And because particularly for people who are already on the back foot in terms of like maybe having dealt with an abusive male earlier on in life, whoever that may have been, you're sort of accustomed to it. Like some part of your body is welcoming it. Some part of you is familiar with that kind of pain. It's almost comfortable there as much as it hurts, it's comfortable. And so, yeah, you, you stay in these situations because it begins gentle and it gets worse and worse and worse and worse until you can't quite remember the beginning. It's not like on day one, they start, you know, lashing out and punching walls in front of you. But on day one, it's a little thing. And on day two, it's another little thing and it builds and builds and builds until suddenly it feels normal. So that's what I was kind of trying to get at there was that like, that's the thing that's difficult when you come out of it and you try and tell people about it. It's like, so so he didn't hit you, you know, so he didn't do this. So he didn't do that. It's like, well, no, but it doesn't always leave marks. Well, I mean, in a way, if it were just, not just, if it were physical, mm-hmm. yeah, women know that that's a signal, right? They know like, oh, I am being physically abused. Like I see this in the movies or this is one of those things where there are ads that if I'm being abused, I should leave. And like, you know, that is very much. You see these ads, you see these ads around with like women with black eyes and women with marks and women with scars. And like, not to say that they they shouldn't, those ads are important and we should absolutely have them. And and the representation in the media of, of that kind of abuse is important and that kind of domestic violence. But what you don't, what we actually have seen in the media 
for way too long is men gaslighting and negging and love bombing. And, you know, everything that we grew up with was, you know, the guy turning up outside her house with a boom box and, oh, isn't that so sweet? And it's like, well, she fucking told him to go away. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, he's really not listening to her. There is a lot, like every rom-com is sort of like, she said no, but I'm going to chase her anyway. And not to call that abuse, but that's, you know, that's the kind of thing that we're being told is that they get to do this and they get to cross these boundaries. And then the boundaries that they're crossing get bigger and bigger and bigger. And we don't know where the line is. And when it's more insidious and yeah, it's, it's, it's emotional, it's verbal, it's cerebral. It gets, you know, gets in your head and it gets under your skin and it can be, it can be just something like that, the kind of isolation. It can be telling you your friends and loved ones, you know, they're not the right ones. It's me. And it can be taking control of your bank account and saying, that's okay. I'll just do all the finances. And now you're not, you're not financially independent anymore. There's so many tiny ways that it happens that you don't see because that's your partner. Oh, well, he's taking care of all the finances. Isn't that so sweet? And then you break up and realize you can't get any of your money back. And like, you know, these are the, the, the little things that sort of creep in. And I thought it was important to talk about that in particular in this book, because it's something I experienced and it's something that so many people who I know personally have experienced. And when you start to have these conversations, the me too-ness of it is, it's devastating, you know, to, especially with friends you've, you've known for years and you love dearly and you, you care about. And then suddenly they say, oh, this actually my ex kind of did this thing and that thing and the other thing and it starts to come out and you're like oh holy shit I can't believe someone treated you that way but they didn't feel like they could say it because you're right because it wasn't this cut and dry black and white abuse hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Sorry. Well, no, I mean, I'm so, <laughs> it's, it's great. And it's just such a creative way to put it out there. I mean, you could have written a memoir. You could have done this a million ways and you chose to do it in yeah. this form, right? And some of this doesn't even yeah. come out until towards the end, right? Where you really go mm. into it because we're so focused on her current relationship and the breakup. But mm. saying it's about a breakup, I think is so minimizing this book, right? That's, that's <laughs> yeah. really not what it's about. Really, no. it's but I tricked I tricked people. You did. Like I think it's that it's that thing of 
so I have always loved sci-fi and I've always loved horror. And there's there's something in the book about that as well. But I I love the way that horror and sci-fi in particular can deal with human themes through the lens of something very alien, you know, and like Star Trek was doing it for years. And I like, I grew up on Star Trek and I loved it, but you had episodes where like, there was one episode where there was uh, an alien species who were non-binary, for example, like that's just a random thing, but they were all, they were all just non-binary, non-gendered people. And they got to know them and they were interesting in other ways. And that wasn't really the big thing about them. It just happened to be part of it. And there, you know, there was a planet where women were in charge and, you know, there's time travel and there's like, how do you, how, how would you interact with a past self? And these are actually just very, very human questions. So, and, you know, similarly with something like comedy, I think we're seeing a lot more of that now with, with stand up, like people like Hannah Gadsby and Bo Burnham and Mike Birbiglia, you know, it's not strictly gags. It's like we're having real deep, meaningful conversations here about socio-political stuff and about emotional stuff. But I'm wrapping it in a little bow and you're getting a little giggle and you come here to have a nice night and you will. But you're going to leave maybe thinking about some stuff. And that's that's the power. That's all just storytelling. That's the power of storytelling. So that's that's why I choose this art form in, in whatever, whenever I, if it's directing or if it's a book or if it's a series, like what, whatever it is, it's the power of story, you know, like from, from day dot, like from the gods and sky and fables and Bible stories. Like there's so many ways of teaching lessons that aren't just do this thing. It's actually, here's some characters that went through it and you're going to relate to them and you're going to get involved and invested and you're going to care. And then this thing's going to happen and it's going to make you think, how would I deal with that? Or how should they have dealt with that? Or was that the right thing? Or was that fair that that happened to them? And it, it's, I, I just think it's a very nice sort of a plate to serve up <laughs> different kind of ideas on. Because I don't know that people would have picked up my book on like <laughs> abuse. <laughs> <laughs> with a pink font <laughs> yeah so it's it's just another way and it's another way of exploring it as well sorry I feel like I'm talking a lot but it's another way of exploring it for me because I was I was doing some very 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 heavy lifting in therapy while I wrote this book which made it interesting there was several chapters I had to go back and rewrite because I changed as I was writing them and then it didn't make sense anymore particularly because we were going backwards so sometimes she felt a certain way about a character and then that would change but in the future so I had to kind of change it. But I was doing a lot of heavy lifting too. And I didn't set out. I didn't sit down and go, I'm going to write a book about trauma. I wrote a story. I just wrote a short story about a breakup because it was in my head and it was keeping me awake. And I just wanted to get it on the page. And I, I just kind of vomited that out. And then that sat there. It sat in a drawer for months and months and months. And then eventually there was talks with my agent about, you know, do you want to write a book? Is that something? I was like, yeah, it's something I maybe want to do. And he's like, what about that chapter I can't remember how it came about but I was like I could expand on that like I think maybe I could turn that into something and but I don't want to go forward I'm not that interested in seeing her get over this breakup that's an interesting story but it's not the one I want to tell right now I think what I actually want to do is look backwards at who they were before this and and how it all came undone and so the next chapter I wrote was the last chapter Hmm. And then I sort of went back and I just dotted all about the place. I didn't write it in my particular order. It was kind of where I was at the time. So for example, that chapter, which more than the others dealt with abuse, which is called Canadian Geese, that was at a particular time where I was thinking a lot about that. And it was never really meant to go in the book. I just thought this is, I want to talk about this right now. This is what, this is what wants to come out of me. 
so it's it's gonna happen and and that's yeah that's kind of how it all came together but it, it never was like I'm gonna teach some people a lesson wow no <laughs> that's not that's amazing yeah. and I'm so glad you kept that in because it's like I loved it obviously and you know the first thing I did when I read your last chapter is that I was like oh and then I like had to go back and start reading the first <laughs> chapter again because I was like oh 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 I mean well I'm like sorry I've been so inefficient with our time together I'm sorry I had like so many things I wanted to talk to you about now the time's almost over oh my god but no tell me just how did you even start writing and like what have you been doing with your whole life up till now <laughs> <laughs> so sorry we don't have much time yeah, but we don't have much time but story. just answer like the story <laughs> of your life <laughs> oh and by the way like what you were saying about story by the way before you go into your life story like that's how I feel like this podcast is not a like books and reading are what I say it's about but it's about mm. stories. It's about life and how we connect and all that. But like, yeah. you know, you have to get into it some way, right? You can't just be like, yeah. let me tell you a story. Like, anyway. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. So give me like a little more background on you as a person. <laughs> one more background. Okay. Um, grew up in Dublin. Just, I mean, again, I, I loaned my... Uh, definitely like my passion for storytelling and kind of how I got into it all. I have, I have loaned to this character. I think what I did was I gave her a lot of things that didn't impact other people. You know what I mean? Yep. So I didn't like, I didn't necessarily give her stories about other people that, <laughs> that would be affected or, or named in any way, but a lot of, a lot of my personality traits are in there. A lot of kind of why I came to be what I am. So I did a degree in journalism after I left school and that was kind of a four-year degree in what I don't want to do. I did <laughs> not want to be a journalist by the end. It was very prescriptive and it was like you know news is news and it's very objective <laughs> I'm not an objective I mean I'm, I'm objective but I don't like to write that way I want to write creatively and it became more and more apparent that like you're not going to get your own columns straight away you know it's you may not ever and it, so you're kind of going to be stuck with this particular type of writing but within that we did so many other modules that really interested me and we did a lot of like tv and film stuff and we studied art and semiotics and politics and loads of other things that interested me and it was more kind of the campus life that I got involved with that I stayed with I was I was on various societies and I was in the musical I was that kid and and then I stayed on to be on the students union as the education and welfare officer so I was dealing for like a whole year with students who were you know going through all kinds of different troubles and maybe struggling with exams or struggling at home and trying to help them out and find ways of campaigning for mental health and all and I, I knew that was important to me and I, I really enjoyed it then I got offered a job at Google and I sold myself because <laughs> you do uh, was a lot of money and I was young and I wanted it so I went to work for them but at the time it was like you know Google are one of the only organizations that were offering you know, a certain percentage of your time to work on charity projects. And we did. And that that was really lovely. And it was such amazing experience for me to be in a corporate environment like that, to have to work as part of a team, to have my own projects, my own portfolio to manage. Like there was so much that I was there for seven years and moved into YouTube where I started managing YouTubers. Most of whom are now my very best friends. Moved to London with that job and continued to work with them. And it was them that kind of inspired me to start my own channel because I was helping them out with their content and I, I wanted to act. I thought I wanted to act. I always wanted to be an, an actress. I wanted to be a star. 
but there were no parts really for women. There were no good parts. So I thought, well, fuck it. I'll just, I'll just write my own parts. I hadn't done script writing before, but I had, I'd studied at the Irish Writers' Centre for several years and studied short story writing specifically and loved that form which is why my book is basically short stories. Love that form. And then sent one to a friend and he was like, Hazel, this is kind of a script. Like you write so visually, this so easily could become a script. And it got me thinking. So I started writing scripts, started making my own stuff, just just like on shoestring budgets. And when you're your own team, I had to produce, write, direct, edit, you know, star, get my friends involved, call in a lot of favors. Did that for a few years, started my YouTube channel. And when people ask what the YouTube channel was about, I don't know. Like it's just telling stories. It was just always me just... Either it was a story that had happened that week or it was a story of my life or it was about mental health or it was about a film I loved or whatever. It was just me yammering on and then the occasional like scripted content. Kept doing that until I got more kind of bigger directing gigs, directed a horror series for a platform called Full Screen in the States. That was like an eight-part horror series, which was so much fun. And so it was like the speed version of my life. And all the while I was kind of doing YouTube, doing other little bits. It was all just kind of slowly coming together and then wrote that chapter, continued working on other stuff, wrote a few other chapters, kind of came back to it. So the book happened over the course of a few years while I was doing a million other projects that pay the bills. And then the book came out. The book came out in the UK last year and then got picked up by Penguin for the US this year, which is silly. And then Barnes & Noble picked it as their fiction pick of the month, which is just insane. And yeah, that kind of brings us up to now. And I've, I've just started writing book two. Wow. So same character yeah. or new somebody new? No, no, it's not it's not a sequel. Okay. I think I, think I can I haven't actually said that anywhere else. So that's <laughs> okay. But no, I didn't I need I needed to step away from them. I put up a video on YouTube about it recently. And actually that's what YouTube has become now. It's 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 really been lovely. It's I built this lovely community and never it was never about like I gotta get to a million subscribers. It was just like I'm gonna put myself out there and if people like it, great. But now YouTube is not every single week it is it used to be like full-time job and lots of collaborations and lots of like a lot of thought put in and then I stopped because it got too much and you know with writing and everything it was just so much and then I picked it up again and thought you know what I'm just gonna care less Mm -hmm. so now when I feel like it when I'm just in one of those moods where I'm like I want to have a chat I want to connect with with people I'll pop my phone down I don't even set up a camera or lights or anything anymore I'll just do it in daylight pop my phone down barely edit it just have a chat. And then it's, people have said it's, it's sort of just like having a friend on FaceTime. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just yap away. And I'm like, look, the views are so much less than they used to be. I don't care if, if you enjoy it. Great. If you want to cook your dinner or tidy your room or whatever, particularly Irish people, you know, living abroad during the pandemic, I, I sort of was like, I know I want to hear the accent right now. So if you do, here's an hour of me talking crap and you can, you can just sort of do what you want with it. You don't even have to look at the screen. It's not pretty. It's not interesting. So that's, that's kind of what YouTube is now. And I, I'm, my last video was about the writing process on the new book, which I've only written one chapter for. So I need to be very clear that it's not going to be out for okay. a while. Okay. But yeah. <laughs> awesome. I'll have to go back and watch that one. I'm really sorry. I hadn't seen it yet. Oh God, no, don't be silly. As I said, they are not that interesting. <laughs> you, you I feel like you want now it. you need to go like adapt this and star in it right and then all your worlds could collide right is are there I would well so it has been optioned it's been optioned for a tv series there's producer involved we kind we actually kind of put it on the back burner for a couple months because I I went I went away for a month to start the new book and we had like a million other things going on 
but yeah, there's a there's a pilot script and Amazing. we're kind of in the process of getting getting people attached and on board. I don't know if I will star in it. I I will see. I don't know if I have the acting chops to take on Angel and I, I want the I want the part to be served as best it can. There are far better actresses than me. You know, if with some coaching I could do it, then great. But I don't know. I think I think I would prefer to be behind the camera because that's the end of that whole story was I thought I wanted to be an actress and then wrote parts for myself, got behind the camera and went, oh, <laughs> this is much better. I don't now when I get to be on set and I don't have to be in front of the camera, that's that's the dream. Like I I, I much prefer that. So yeah, I think ideally I would be involved in, in writing and directing Very instead. Cool. Okay, last question. And sorry again for taking so long. It's what absolutely advice? Fine, what advice would you have for aspiring authors? Oh God. What advice would I have for aspiring authors? Write. Just write. So many people talk about writing. I'm gonna write a book. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. We'll sit down and write it then. Cause often it 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 takes thousands and thousands of words before you even hit on the thing you wanted to start writing about and then you have to scrap all of them and kind of start from that one nugget write and practice and get good it is like I'm sure like ballet or ice skating you know there's probably people who are just born adept at it but it's a muscle and you have to use it and you have to practice it and as I said you know I while I haven't become a journalist I did do four years of journalism and I did do years at the Irish Writer Centre and I have been writing scripts many of which will never see the light of day for years and years and years and making short films and just writing in any form and particularly I would say my short story creative classes were probably kind of the biggest help for me like take classes that it, it creates an impetus to submit something every week it means you're in a room full of people who are like-minded and care and will give you honest feedback, which is important. You don't want your friends just going, yeah, it's great. I loved it. It might not be great. <laughs> you might need some criticism, you know, you might to get better. I, I got a lot of criticism over the years and still do. So yeah, I think that that's healthy coming from a professional and coming from a group of people who, who are doing it for the right reasons. And then you're reading their stuff, you're helping critique their stuff. I think that was just such a great environment to get better at my own stuff. And then being handed out these incredible writers every week who I never would have known about. Um, just go read this, go read that, mm-hmm. go read this. And I would come back full of ideas and so inspired. So that's the other thing, right? learn to write and consume just consume as much as you can stories books essays films albums you know any any kind of storytelling and decide consume good stuff consume bad stuff decide why it's bad why don't you like it why is it good what did it for you and that will really kind of help you I think find your voice amazing Hazel, thank you. Thank you for this. Thank you. Thanks for taking so much time. And I know oh, you're coming well. to my book club soon too, so that'll be fun. I am. Yeah. When is it? December. 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 So it's a while away. Yeah. Okay. All right. Have a great I'm day. So Go back to communion. You too. Thanks so much. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Thanks, Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.